Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Let's turn to Psalm 23. Let's go ahead and read the psalm and we'll pray. And uh, I will set your hearts at ease to let you know I do see the time, okay? And uh, I think we're going to just cherry pick, and we're going to kind of go where the Lord leads us. And if you want a little bit more, the, the beauty of the uh, online services is you can jump back online, and you can either watch Thursday night or 8, 8, 8 o'clock. So if you want a little bit more, there'll be more there. Psalm 23 begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And why don't you join me in that alternate ending. Forever and ever and ever. Lord, we pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. We pray that in these remaining moments that we have, Lord, may you guide us. And may you open our hearts to receive and may we have ears to hear what your spirit is wanting to say to the church today. And Lord, we just invite you to do that right now. Lord, any concerns over time or any other things that might want to occupy our hearts or our minds, Lord God, we, we make them secondary, we make you primary, we invite you to speak to us. So Lord, speak clearly, speak directly, and help us, Lord, to receive all that you are wanting to give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we move to verse 3. We're seeing, in essence, David um, beginning to reveal what transpires when we allow the Lord to make us lie down in green pastures and when we allow Him to lead us to still waters. And and as I mentioned that phrase, makes us again, I want to just underscore again that that is not bully language and the Lord strong-arming us, but He makes us means He causes us. He causes us to experience. He causes us to arrive at places that we cannot get to on our own. And the way that He does that is He leads us from the front and we follow Him and we listen to Him. And now what transpires is our souls being restored and us walking on paths of righteousness. So I think that's significant because these are promises to those who are following Him, not going their own way, but following the Good Shepherd and 
I don't know how the Lord speaks to you sometimes, but I've kind of found myself in some different space this week, getting ready for this. And, and a couple of things happened. Number one, I just I felt like there were so many things that my eyes were seeing. I wanted to tell them to all, all of it to all of you, and we don't have time for that. And I think a little bit got into each service. So that's why I encourage you maybe to to listen to some of the, to some of the other services, but. On my way into the Thursday night service, I just really felt the Lord impress upon my heart that he wanted to be the restorer of his people, the restorer of our souls. There was a, there's, a, there, there's a remembrance that is taking place here, and, and, and maybe you know, life has caused you to forget that, and you felt a little beat down and like you can't get up. And I think the Lord would just say to you today, he's the restorer of your soul. A part of how that operates in our lives is the Lord does this. You know, he knocks. And we have to open the door and let Him in. And I feel like this, this exhortation to allow the Lord to be our restorer is one that we have to be open to. And that's complicated sometimes. Because we're talking about the soul here. And what is the soul? Well, the soul is one part of our being. The scriptures tell us in 1 Thessalonians that, that there is you know, what could probably be referred to as a human trinity. We are body, spirit, and soul. And I think the one that we are probably the least in tune with or maybe the, 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 the least comfortable in the Lord working on is our soul because we, we look forward to our body being redeemed, Right? Physically, we know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should treat it as such, but it is still a frail tent. And uh, there's going to be a day when Christ returns and gives us a glorified body. And we're like, hey, we're all looking forward to that, right? Come on, Lord, bring it on. And then we, we, we think of the notion of a, the part of our makeup that's the Spirit. And, and that's the part of us that connects to God. And when we are born again, that's the part that has relationship restored with our Creator. And uh, that is a good thing. That's what gives us life. That's what causes us to, to have new life. Our spirits are made alive because of what Christ has done on the cross. Relationship has been restored to man. But then there's the soul, I think which is a little bit more complicated. And, and, and I'll just go as far as to say I think the church has had historically a little more of a challenge talking about the soul. Because the soul is the seat of our longings, our desires, our emotions, and our thoughts. And when it comes to things related to the mind, the church oftentimes has um, taken a very hard approach. Because there is this reality of of, of, of man being fallen and the world being broken, and that tends to, to bring numbers of things to us that we are only now in some ways beginning to understand. And that mentally, you know, there are things that we have to overcome that we feel ill-equipped for. And the church oftentimes has just said, man, wouldn't you just kind of suck it up? Can we get a little bit more real right now? And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but depression is one of those things that the church has not done well with because depression has been equated to a lack of faith. And it's not. It's not. 
So we think about our mind and we see that the Scripture says, you know, the, the, the mind is to be transformed and renewed and we say yes, but then there's kind of like, well, how do we do that? And then when our brothers and sisters have a hard time figuring that out, we kind of look at them a little bit different. You know, and then there's the emotional part that gets super duper complicated. You know, because when Jesus starts to knock, we're scared to open the door because inside that door is pain and hurt and disappointment and disillusionment and all kinds of things that we don't want to stare in the eye. And it's very easy for us to justify not allowing the Lord to be the restorer of our soul because when He knocks, we can say, you know what, Lord? Um, you don't know what they did to me. Or we can say something like, well, Lord, you're just kind of being a little nitpicky about that one because this is the way my people are. You know, I come from a group of people and, you know, we have a hair trigger. And it's just the way that we are. Or we get frustrated or whatever. You fill in the blank and we say, you know what, Lord? I hear you knocking on that door, but that's just the way we are. And when we do that, we, we fall into the trap of, 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 of justifying. And, and when we fall into the trap of believing that we are under the lordship of something that Jesus defeated. So when David says that he is the restorer of my soul, we should leap for joy. We should hear those words and be filled with hope. We should, we should hear that and say, Lord, that is a part of what new life looks like. Give me more of it. Because it is a, a personal work that the Lord wants to do in all of us. And let me just give you a scripture that frames it and, 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 and it puts it into um, a space that, that, that causes us to see clearly the work of the Lord in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. This is what he's the restorer of, my soul, or of our soul should have rise up within us. The Lord wants to make us complete and whole in the whole of who we are. Mind, spirit, and soul. So church, when Jesus is knocking, the response of His children should be faith. And the response of, our, of us as his children should be to open the door. And to say, you know what, Lord, I don't quite see the beginning from the end. It's more complicated. And it's beyond me, but I trust you.
Because here's the reality of David. He knew brokenness. But yet he was still a man after God's own heart. You know, one day when he should have been out, because it was a time when kings went to war, he didn't go and he saw Bathsheba. And that led to adultery and to murder and to the eventual death of an infant child. He knew. He knew brokenness. He knew grief. He knew and was familiar with everything that we can experience in this life. But yet, David says, he's the restorer of my soul. So what facilitates this work of of, of restoration. I want to just kind of give you uh, some quick things here. Because the Bible says a lot about the soul and how God works on it. And the first thing it says is this, is our souls need to be redeemed. Psalm 49.15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the work of redemption begins by putting your faith in Him. By confessing your sin and declaring Him to be Lord of your life and following Him. And I think most of us in the room are clear with that. We understand that. It's not a new thought or concept. But, but what I want us to understand is that you know, sin not only separates us before we know Christ and creates a distance problem, but there can be a distance problem that can creep into our walk with Him in the sense that when the Lord does knock, we can say, don't go there. Don't go there. And there's an ongoing work of daily redemption that should be at, happening within us that just says this, Lord... When you knock, I'm going to open the door. And that's very personal to us, but it also is something that infiltrates our relationships. And I want to talk about this for a moment because, you know, I just kind of sense that um, a part of, of, of what David wants us to get in, 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 in this psalm is, is not just an understanding of the personal application, but also an understanding of how to be in relationship with one another. Because we can walk with the Lord for a period of time, and we can know people for a period of time. But then we come to those moments where something happens, and it's like the wheels fall off the bus. And they begin to act in a way that we've never seen before they begin to say words that we've never heard before and you look at that person and you're like you know what i feel like i don't even know them and what is that an indication of that is an indication that there is a work of redemption on the soul level that needs to happen and how you respond is critical to that work You know, I know that in, in days past, as I've experienced that, you know, kind of my initial impulse was like, man, turn and run. This is, this is hard. This hurts. It's ugly. It's, it's difficult. I can't even make sense of what I'm seeing or hearing. And, and that is not where our heart should stay. 
Because David, David is saying, uh, you know, the Lord is the restorer of my soul is essentially saying, you know what, folks, I have a history. And when you face those people in your own personal lives, I want you to be reminded of the fact there's always a story behind the pain. There's a story behind the pain. There's a story behind the reaction. And you seeing and experiencing a part of what is happening in front of you is perhaps the Lord inviting you into their redemptive journey. But you have to have empathy and remember that they have a story and remember that the end of the story is not written yet. In other words, things don't have to stay where they're at because our souls need to be redeemed. Not only as we enter into relationship with Christ, but as we live out relationship with one another. And a part of the, the, the work that accelerates that process is another point that just reminds us that our souls need instruction. Psalm 13.2 says, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 13.2 Our souls need instruction. In other words, don't stop learning and growing. A significant part of that is obviously the Scripture, but you know, another part of that is being able, like David, to survey your life and to learn from your mistakes. So verse 2 brings us to that place where following looks like listening and learning. Verse 3 brings us to this place where being led down the paths of righteousness and seeing the Lord as our restore still involves listening and learning. And one little part of that is understanding that there is wisdom in studying our failures. As you know, oftentimes when we stumble, we want to we, we get up and move on and forget about it. And I'll never forget something that uh, John Maxwell said in one of his leadership seminars. He said, you know, I came to a point where I got to the age of where when I dropped something and I bent down to pick it up, before I stood back to my feet, I looked around to see if there was anything else I needed to do. And here we have David, a man of great and significant failure who never stopped listening and learning and receiving instruction. So learn. And here's a part of why learning is important. Nobody wakes up any given morning and says, I am going to destroy my life today. But there are always smaller steps. There are always things that, that precede in smaller infractions that lead up to the moment where we've ignored the road signs that said the bridge is out at the end of the road. And when we stop, we receive instruction, 
whether it be from a multitude of counselors or the Scripture itself, it is God's work in your life. Then finally, our souls need to maintain the right focus. Psalm 42.5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. See, David here is maintaining the right focus. He's saying, soul, why are you cast down? He was recognizing something was off. But there's a temptation for us to adopt an identity in our journey that would have us change that statement to not why are you cast down, but to you are cast down. And that identity begins to overtake us when we embrace things that we are called to let go of. Mental things, emotional things, longings and desires. So there is a right focus that has to be maintained. And I want to take it out, you know, one more step further for just a moment here because maintaining the right focus not only involves the work that the Lord wants to do in us, but it involves the work that He wants to do through us. And I would have you consider this question. What did God have in mind when He knit you together in your mother's womb? See, when we put our faith in Christ, our spirit is made alive, we are given a new identity, we become a part of His, but we also are invited to join Him in the work of His kingdom. And we all have a part to play. And a part of maintaining a right focus that keeps our soul in a healthy place is understanding what our assigned purpose is. And the reason why there's power in that is this. There is supernatural grace assigned to purpose. God, He doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called, right? We've heard this before. God always calls us to something that is larger than us, and when we step into that space, we see Him accomplish through us things that we could not do on our own. And that is a right focus to maintain. Lord, what have You given me as a purpose when You knit me in my mother's womb? I'll just kind of remind us as a congregation of something that is you know, very close to all of us that we're familiar with, and that was, you know, Project 1013. With literally no resources in hand, God called us to a service project within our community, and all that we did was say yes. And then amazing things started happening. And I got to tell you, I, I was very bothered by those who wanted to give me credit for it because it wasn't me, it was God. So God, He, he doesn't call the equipped, He equips 
the called and a part of maintaining right focus. It's understanding that He has given you a purpose and when you are engaged in that purpose, you are going to see Him do a work in your life that exceeds your greatest expectations. Why is that important? This brings us back to Psalm 23 because there is something that can transpire in the lives of the sheep that the shepherd is very, very concerned about. And as they are in green pastures and by still waters, he is constantly looking to make sure that this does not happen. And it comes right out of the last psalm we looked at in that a sheep can become cast down. What that looks like, and I, I, I share this um, running the risk of this being the only thing you're going to think about for the last couple of minutes here, because when a sheep becomes cast down, they literally are on their back with their four feet up in the air, flailing around trying to get upright again, and they can't. They can't. The shepherd literally has to come alongside of them and turn them around. And that was very much on David's mind as he wrote this 23rd Psalm. He recognized that, that there are things that can take place in our lives that cause us to be cast down like the sheep, where we become turned upside down without the ability to correct our position. And when that happens, the shepherd responds immediately because literally it is a life-threatening event in that if the day is sunny and, and warm, within a matter of three hours, the sheep can expire and die if they are not turned back upright. And as David says that he is the restorer of my soul, he's remembering of all of those times that the Lord turned him around and put him back on his feet. So the application for us is this. We've got to understand that we can arrive at a place where we are vulnerable, stuck, and unable to turn ourselves around. And it's in those moments we have to call on the Good Shepherd. And how does He lead us from that place? He leads us down the paths of righteousness. David, speaking from experience, here's where I'll uh, jump over a whole lot of stuff. Let me just give you this. How do we know we're on the path of righteousness? How do we stay on the path of righteousness? Let me give you a, a simple assignment and, and then we're done. In order to stay on the paths of righteousness, we need to learn to pay attention to what does and does not bother Jesus. Because you know, there can become some real confusion over that. It's the same kind of confusion that existed when Jesus was alive. Pharisees looked at him and said, you know what, we don't know why you're dining with those people. And Jesus says, well, it's because a doctor treats the sick and not the well. 
you know, Jesus got really, really worked up one day in the temple and he started turning over tables. You know why he did that? It was because the money changers had priced the things needed for sacrifice beyond the reach of the people to purchase them, and it hindered their ability to worship God and to give sacrifice. And Jesus kicked them out, turned the tables over. And I see, I see that, and I'm like, you know what? The Lord really cares a lot about anything that becomes an obstacle from people worshiping the Lord. We can see other examples like that. And I want to tell you that when the things that bother Jesus begin to bother us, and when the things that don't bother Him don't weigh us down, we are very much on the path of righteousness. And I think that's incredibly important for us today. Because the world wants us to be bothered by all kinds of things. Let's pay attention to what bothers Jesus and respond accordingly. So this morning, I kind of feel like the right way to conclude is this. Throughout the morning, God has begun a work. How do we take that work out of here and into the week? And I say to you, it's really just as simple as this, allowing Him to continue to redeem you, instruct you, and pray that he give you the right focus. Let's stand. Thank you for your patience this morning. And as we conclude, I'll just lead us back into a moment of personal application. You know, in this sense, let's humble our hearts again and bow our heads before the Lord. You know, and if you're in that place today where, you know what you're saying, Lord, I need some of your restoration, I need deeper work of redemption, I need instruction, I need the right focus, whatever it might be, just as a symbolic response to the 23rd Psalm today, and as Pastor Marty starts to play on the keys, I would just invite you to just kind of open your hands and, and lift them as a sign of surrender that just says, Lord, I invite you to do that work in me. It's just simply a sign of surrender. It's just simply an invitation that just says, Lord, I want to receive all that you have to give today. And then as you do that, you know, just thank him that he is the one that can turn us around and get us unstuck. It reminds you that, uh, that's the, the power of the shepherd's work in our lives. And he is able to do it quickly and daily as we call on him. Lord, I thank you for the reminders of the 23rd Psalm today. Lord, I just pray a prayer over all of us right now that would just ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit, to settle into those things that are unique to our personal application. 
And Lord, may it not be fleeting or lost quickly, but I pray that there would be a continued work in us throughout the week. Lord, I'm just reminded of the words of Isaiah that say when you look to the right or to the left and you do not know which way to go, that you will, whisp you will hear whispered into your ear, this is the way, walk in it. And Lord, let that still, small voice just be restored in all of us today. That we would not go any other direction but yours. every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to give opportunity this morning for anyone who has not received Christ as their Lord and Savior to do so before we leave. And we'll pray a prayer together that affirms that decision and establishes faith in Christ. And We'd just like to know who you are by seeing your hands so that we can do that together. Is there anyone here today who would say, I need to know Christ as my Lord and Savior? I'd like to pray together with you and give you a Bible and other things that will help you begin that journey, anyone at all. Just give a moment for that faith to be established. But thank you for today. I pray your blessing upon every person who was here. May your favor and your grace and your peace be upon us. I pray, Lord, that you would watch over us and keep us and bring us back again very soon. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to support uh, the new work in Mexico. Lord, we pray your blessing upon Tony and his team. Lord, we're grateful, Lord, for the work of multiplication that has already happened. And we pray, Lord, that for the glory of your name, may it only increase and continue. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.